And so I'll start off this morning. Now, listen, I want to say this, and I'm going to say it up front um, so that it's not a shock to anybody. I am black. (laughs) And I do come from a black environment, which means we don't get offended if you say amen. We don't get offended if you yell back at us. We don't get thrown off if in the middle of the message you decide to praise God. Amen? Amen? As you know, I'm, I'm kind of loud and I believe in doing things as big as I possibly can for God. And I would hope that that fire would catch, would catch a hold with, with some of you because the time that I've been in this church, God has revealed so many great gifts in this body. But I often wonder if if he's revealed them to you. Because I see, I see God doing great things in you. But sometimes I don't think that you see that. So today's word will be a little bit of a challenge. Are you up for a challenge? You up for it? Okay, I got to share it with you because, you know, coming to Granbury was a challenge. It really was a challenge for us. And I, I shared this with you before. I met some really interesting situations my first visit here. But God allowed us to come to this church and experience such great healing and experience such great love and experience such great passion and such great worship that what happened when we first came here, it's almost as if, we, we know why it happened. The enemy didn't want us to come here. The enemy didn't want us to come to Generations Church in Granbury because he knew he was in trouble if we came here. He might not see everything that God sees, but he knows what he's getting ready to get or his rope kicked. And he knew if Shake and Karen come to Granbury that heaven is going to be rejoicing. And we believe that with all our hearts. So thank you. I want, I want to start with a question. And it's that if I ask you to name 10 of the greatest figures of time, 10 of the greatest figures in time, who would they be? Would it be Sir Isaac Newton? Would it be Jesus Christ? Would it be Albert Einstein? Perhaps Abraham or Moses, Paul of Tarsus, William Shakespeare, Leonardo da Vinci, maybe someone more modern in time like Martin Luther or Abraham Lincoln, or George Washington, or even closer to home, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., or Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan seems to be a really popular name here in Texas, as as does Bush. So I figured we'd get that in there and get it out of the way. Possibly a sports figure like Muhammad Ali, or Jackie Robinson, or Michael Jordan, for those of you that are a little bit younger, or even closer to today, a musical figure like Bono of U2, or John Lennon, or the Fat Boys, or the Beastie Boys, or Beyonce, or Justin Bieber, or Adele. Now listen, I don't know, who would it be? Who would come to mind? Who would you think of? And, and of course that's, that's a, a question for you to ponder. 
But we're going somewhere, so stick with me for a second. On a side note, uh, when singer-actress superstar Whitney Houston died, one of the greatest acts a believer could ever have take place took place. The world, as a result of her death, heard the gospel on a level that most pastors, I don't care who they are, would never preach. When they eulogized her, I don't know if you remember, but when they eulogized her, CNN covered it. And Bishop Marvin Winans presented the gospel to the world. When they eulogized her, it is said that over 40 different networks carry her funeral. Now, I've yet to see Oral Roberts or who's the the really big minister, uh, who? Billy Graham, I've yet to see him carried by all the networks like that. So what happened? This great tragedy, she overdoses or whatever takes place, and as a result of her life and her death, the gospel gets preached. So perhaps millions of people who never, ever would have heard the gospel, heard the gospel on this secular artist's funeral. You'd have to say that was a great, great, great thing. And that leads me to this this uh, verse out that I want to share with you. John 14 says, and I'll, and I'll read it for you. Do you, did you. do you have it for me, Austin? Because I want them to read along with me. And I'm going to read the, um, I'm going to read the uh, New International Version. John 14, 12 says, Verily, I t- verily very truly I tell you, Whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing and that will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Now, I've always wondered about that greater things. How can anybody do greater things than Jesus? How is that possible? But he said it. But I believe one of the ways that he's talking about is Jesus, you know, we, we talk about the sermon where he preached to 5,000 we know it was 5,000 men, potentially 5,000 women, if they were married, potentially another 5,000 or 10,000 or however many children. So that would have been, what, 20, 30, 40,000, maybe 50,000 people? 50,000 people. And that's one of the bigger sermons that he preached, one of the largest that's recorded that he preached. Amen? Whitney Houston, in her death, Marvin Winans preached to, according to the statistics, 45 million people. And then there's a, there's a study that's going on right now that's, that I was reading the other day that said, of those 45 million people, 12 million were unbelievers. So you'd have to say that was greater things. There's no way around that. That was Whether she intended to do that in her death, obviously she didn't intend to take her life. But whether she intended to do that in her death or not, a great, great work was done unto God. Because the gospel was shared with millions of unbelievers. Millions. I look at my life and I, and I, uh, I remember there was a young lady at the church that we came here from. Um, her name is Terry Savelle Ford. 
And she preached a message one time. And in the message, she preached her own funeral. Tommy, I think you were there for that. And in her funeral, she, she asked several questions, you know. What would, what would they say about me when I leave here? Marvin, what would they say about you when you, when you die? Is he a good guy? He was, he was a good musician, phenomenal singer, great songwriter. What would they say about Amy? Amy's, oh my God, when she sang, heaven listened. What would they say about Tommy? Tommy was a great warrior for God who led people to the Lord with love. Stern, but with love. What would they say? What would they say about Diane? Diane loved the Lord. She loved people. She was a servant. And all those things are wonderful. They're amazing to have those things said about you. But you need to ask yourself, is that it? Is that it? I was, about three months ago, I was here, and uh, I was just working. I worked late nights, a lot of Saturday nights I, I would put in, you know, really, really late nights, just doing different things, working on things, trying to get myself together. And the company that does the cleaning service, with this little black guy, little, I think he's from Nigeria. And we struck up a conversation one night. And I said, man, why don't you come to church? I said, you know, why don't you, why don't you come and come and visit us at church? Well, I've got this and I've got my other church and I'm going to and I know he's a believer and he loves the Lord. And I, and, and so I said, well, I'm not going to rest until I see him in church at some point. Now, he already attends a church, and we know he loves the Lord, but I figured he needed to come where I was. <laughs> sometimes sometimes people, you know, and I, and I say this with all sincerity. This is not an ego thing. This is not a pride thing. But I believe there are people that I have a message specifically for that I don't care who preaches to them. They can't say what I'm going to say to them. They can't reach them the way I'm going to reach them. They can't impact their lives the way I'm going to impact their lives. Just like I can't impact the lives of the people that you speak into. Not the way you will. Because they'll hear you on a level that I will never get to. But when God puts somebody in my heart, then they're in my heart. And I'm praying for them. And I'm lifting them up, and I'm believing God for great things for their lives, and I speak that all the time. So I wasn't going to rest until I got him in here, and I got him in here today. <laughs> now listen, there are, there are ministries and works that I'm in, I'm completely in awe of, completely in awe of, but they challenge me. I'm in awe of them, 
But they make me go, you know what? If they can do that, what can I do for God? Man, I dearly love, dearly love. Walked in the door maybe three minutes ago. He's sitting over there, Mr. Bob Mason. Hosted ministry all over the world. Building homes, preaching the gospel. And I find myself often going, Lord, I'm just a grab bag. You know, I'm just, I'm just in this, I'm in this place. And I've had people challenge me sometimes and say, you know, Shake, why are you, what are you doing in Granbury? Why are you, why are you in Granbury? Like it's some insult to be here. Like it's, you know, like it's, what are you doing in Granbury? You know, hey, and I tell them, man, I'm in Granbury doing the work of the Lord. And the work that I'm doing is bigger than anything I could have done anywhere else, period. I don't know if you know it or not, Generations Church, but your praise team has sung on Dove and Grammy-nominated records since we've been here. Has nothing to do with me has everything to do with God and this purpose and his plan for Shake and Karen in Granbury. But it comes back to what is your life? What about your life? What are you going to do with your life, Shake? What do you, you know, are you going to get caught up in, well, you need to be so-and-so and so you should be this place. No, I'm doing what God told me to do and greater things are going to come. So I'm going to ask you this. If you were asked to speak at a funeral, and just as you found out whose funeral you were speaking at, or should I say the person you were eulogizing, what if you found out it was your own funeral? You ever thought about that? What would you? What would it be, or what would you say? What would your life and the way you lived? Would it speak for itself? What would your funeral and your life preach itself? Would there be a major impact on the world around you? Or would it just be another nice or even, dare I say, a good person gone on to be with the Lord? Is the world a better place because you're here? Is it a little bit better because you lived? Will there be a hole in the world Because you're gone. Only you know the answer to that. Only you. I'm thinking about my son, Samuel. You know, I call him Bubby. I I think about him pretty much every day of my life. And... Samuel came along at a point in my life that's precious to me. Because if I'd have had a Bubby when I was 23, when I thought I wanted children, you know, 24, 25, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, if I was 40, you know, I thought I wanted 41, 42. No, he didn't come then. So he comes in the years that are the years when you're raising a little bitty child, 
in your 40s. You I know y'all can't relate to that, but listen. I I love the idea of going out running with him and 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 playing sports with him and you know, we wrestle at home and you know, I love the idea, but you know what? It is my mind. He's going to be 15 one day. And when he's 15, I'm going to be older. Much older. And you know what 15-year-olds like to do? Stuff that 60-year-olds probably can't do so well anymore. But I find myself, you know what? I got to make these years count. I got to make these years precious. I got to make these years so that when, man, when I do check out, Praise God, my wife and I, we've, we've called in to the Lord. We put in a call to him a while back and just, listen, man, here's what we want. We need about 110 years to really do what we need to do with this boy. So if you'll work that out, if you make that happen, we good. Isn't that about right? 110, 112, that's what we asked for. 120, we asked for 120. Okay, wow. I was cool with 110. The point is, I'm speaking of my life being something that's poured into him so that when he's 20, when he's 30, when he's 40, when he's 50 and he has children, he goes, man, I love my dad. Man, my dad was awesome. Not just because, see, right now, he thinks I'm cool. You know what I'm saying? He thinks I'm cool. And I am cool, I admit that. <laughs> but, 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 but he thinks I'm cool in the way a five, six year old thinks their dad is cool. You know, when a five, six year old thinks you're cool, you can be the nerd, you can be the worst dressed, you can be whatever. They're proud of you because they love you. But when you, when they get 13, 14 years old, see how cool you are then. But I'm, but I'm thinking, okay, what about my life? And so sometimes I come to this place of definite thought is what I call it. It's definite thought. And what that means is man is born to die. I don't care how long you live, at some point, you're going to have to check out. So, when I check out, what will be said about me, about my life? What will be said to my son? What will he have to look on? What will my life, uh, my wife, have spoken to her about me? You know, I've come to this one fact, and it may not be a fact for you, but it's a fact for me. I'm going to say it, and I want you to repeat it with me. Amen? Amen? Good is the enemy of best.
Say it again. Good is the enemy of best. There's a lot of things that have good intentions. A lot of people have good intentions. But were they the best intentions? A lot of people do good things. But was it the best thing? The only real way to know that you're doing the best thing is when you realize, man, I could only do this with God. I could only do this with God. I could only achieve what I'm achieving, live the way I'm living, love the way I'm loving with God. John 21, 25, pastor been, been, had been, has been sharing from the book of John for the last nine months, 12 months, year and a half, two. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But he's been in the, he's been in the book of John and pastor does, um, expository preaching. And so he can take, you know, he gleans things from the word. And I find myself going, Lord, I just, I must be stupid. I just, I didn't see that. I read the same thing he read, but I, I didn't, I didn't see that. How did I miss that? And so it, it would be easy for me to get up here, fall under conviction, and compare what I do with him. And I can't bring it like that. So you get what you get. <laughs> and I love you anyway. But John twenty one twenty five says, Jesus did many other things as well. I'm reading from the New International Version first, and then I'm going to come to the to the New Living Translation. It says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Good is the enemy of best. You're not even getting all of Jesus' best. Because it wasn't documented. So if you, if you mirror your life on how did Jesus, and you say to yourself, good is the enemy of best. If you just, if you just go that far, I, I, I guarantee you, you'll find yourself on the right track. The other, the, there's another that says a little bit different. The New American Standard Bible says, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. Even the world, detail. Well, what about your life? You know? Somebody wrote a book, you know, you're, you're being eulogized, and they said, you know, at the end of the service today, we got a book 
on Mr. Walker, 999 in the lobby. But today, because, you know, there's so many of you, we own, we're in short supply, the first 400 of you are going to get it for 799. You got to ask yourself, how many books would it sell? How big would that book be? But more importantly, would there be a book? Would there be a book? When I, when I, about, about five months ago, maybe six months ago, pastor shared this software that shows you how to write your own book, tell your own story. Right before that, Greg shared a, a message about Ebenezer, the testimony. Remember, I know you remember that message. You got to it because I remember it. Your life's either going to preach itself and that book is going to write itself and then you have to ask yourself what's going to be in that book. I take the praise team as much as I can. We go and we minister other places. I'm not into this whole mine, we, our. I ain't into that. I believe every time we get a a chance to go sing, we need to go do it. Every time we get a chance to go worship, we need to go do it. No matter how many people are there, it has nothing to do with the event. We need to be worshiping. And so we go and do these things, and, and every time they show up, if I were to look at it from a world perspective, I would have to say these are the cream of the crop. Every time they go, the, 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 you know what comes back to me, the comment that comes back to me? They always ask. And I'm talking big-name people. Shake, where did you get all those great singers from? Man, your team is loaded. And I admit, we've got some superstars on our team. But the reality is, we have a team. We got a team. When one shines, they all shine. See, if the altos are singing, and they're singing right, it's five altos, you don't know which one is singing right. Sopranos are singing, and they're nailing, they're hitting them notes. You don't know which one it is. All you know is it sounded great. It was wonderful. It had worship all over it. It was anointed. And it was in excellence. So we have a team. So when people speak of Generations Church, and they say things, they say, man, that youth, that youth group is amazing. They speak of the Gen Praise. They say, man, that that praise team, those guys have it. But what I'm after is when they speak of you. When they speak of you and they say, you know, Shake goes to Generations Church. I'm going to go to Generations Church to check it out because Shake goes to Generations Church. There must be something going on there 
because I look at him and I want whatever it is he's got. So I want to ask you if you would raise your hand if you if you would agree with that. If when you when someone saw you and you and you shared with them, you said, I'm not talking about preaching to them. I'm just talking about just being being a proponent of love. How many would say I want people to look at me and want what I've got? Would everybody say that? Well, then you're going to have to ask yourself, what about my life? Because that's what your eulogy is going to say. Is your eulogy going to say, oh, he went to church and that was it? You know, is it going to say he tithed and that was it? Or is it going to say, I'm going to miss him. He was after God. He loved people. He led people to the Lord. And he gave it his all. Are they going to be saddened and rejoice at the same time? Or is it just going to be another service where we go and get some good food? You know, they eat after funerals. You know that, right? You know, especially in the black funeral, you get greens, macaroni and cheese, fried chicken, cranberry sauce. You know, black funerals. I, you know, that's one thing we got to work on in this church now because, you know, I, I want some dinners that ain't no funeral. <laughs> let's just get together, man. Everybody brings something. Let's just, you know. Have a dinner. Fellowship and love one another. So listen, as I close, I'm a, I want to share this song with you. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just a little bit more and we'll be wrapping it up. I wrote this song when Pastor and I went to a conference in Houston. I met you there in your special place. You spoke words of life. You kindled my faith. When the moment passed and the misty Oh Lord, what would you have me do? Oh Lord, what would you have me do? Jesus walking away 
with this scripture Mark 4.36 says this I'm going to read you three translations King James says now I'll start with the New International Version it says leaving the crowd behind they took him along talking about Jesus just as he, wa- as he was in the boat and then it says there were also other boats with him the New American Version American Standard Bible says, leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. King James, this is the one that I learned this from, says, and when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was, in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. What's significant about that? Is this, and I want you to look at your life as this. Jesus gets in the boat. You know the story. He gets in the boat. The storm comes. The storm comes, and they're afraid because it's rough. And Jesus stills the storm. He says, peace be still. Stills the storm, and there's peace. What's significant about that? Those other ships. Imagine in your life, Jesus has spoken into your life. You know who's going to benefit from that? The other ships. You know who's going to reap the reward of peace in your life? The other ships. The other little boats that you're not even thinking about. You you may not even see them. So when you're asking yourself, what about my life? It's these other ships that you need to be concerned about. I tell the praise team all the time, and I tell people that sing in soup and song, listen, there's no better place to fail than here. Because people want to see you succeed here. You know why they want to see you succeed? Because they say, If Jeff can do it, I can do it. If Janet can get up there and sing and worship God, there must be a place for me. If Shake, a poor kid in ghetto, Louisville, Kentucky, 
Dad didn't want him. Can leave his home and become who he's become in the Lord. Do the things he's done in the Lord. There's got to be a plan for me. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying about Shake Anderson. What about my life? I guarantee you, there are people right now who are going, man, if he can play, if he can be a successful musician, if he can get up there and pre- preach and not faint, then there's got to be a place for me. God can do it for him. Because guess what? Whether you know it or not, they know that they're the other ships. Other ships? What about your life? 